I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. And welcome to Really uh, with Tom and Dave. I'm Dave Foley, and Tom Wheeler is... T- I'm here. I'm here. Ah. Yeah, here I am. Uh, Dave, we can be excited about today's guest. I want you to know we oh, are okay. finally getting to the truth of Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. We have with us T.J. Allard, who is an executive producer on Skinwalker Ranch, uh, on the History Channel. If you're not watching, you're a fool. Uh, he, TJ is a two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, showrunner, and on-camera host. He was the supervising producer on over 100 episodes of NBC's Open House NYC and Dakeover with Libby Langdon and Foundations for NBC Universal and garnered Emmy Awards for his production work on the home renovation show George to the Rescue. I'm so excited. We've got a thousand questions for TJ. Uh, yes. And let's, let's, let's get going. All right. Hello. Hey, hello. <laughs> there he is. Okay. TJ. My big question has to do with uh, why are you allowing Thomas Winterton to continue to be on the ranch given the he's like a human danger bomb? What? <laughs> I, 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 this is the bravest individual I've ever seen. But wh- I mean, how's he doing? How's his head? Uh, <laughs> and why does he continue to, to go to this Skinwalker Ranch? So if you know Thomas, or if you knew Thomas, uh, you would understand why. There is no way you're going to stop him um, from doing what you know he wants to get done and what he wants to do. Uh, I think it's now a mission in his uh, in his world. So that's the reason uh, Thomas is uh, going out there. There's nothing you could say or do to stop him if you wanted to. So he that's is why. A brave, he is a brave <laughs> yeah. fellow. Now, yeah. Then, now, for for people who aren't. Uh, Maybe haven't watched uh, the Secret of uh, Skinwalker Ranch, and, and you should. Off, they should immediately. You should because yes. it's yes. such compelling television. Um, but I want to ask you, like, uh, before coming on to this project, you've you've been a producer of a lot of a lot of television shows, a lot of sort of documentary mm-hmm. and, and reality television. And uh, had you any interest in the subject of the these weird subjects of UFOs and paranormal mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Not, events? Okay, yes. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say too much more than anyone else. 
uh, you know, there was I had an interest in it, and I, since I was a kid, I always all oh, the aliens exist. You know, my parents were like, "What's oh, you're crazy." Um, and I mean, I guess you know, you do the, the things in high school, and when you go out and you go, you know, you go to like look for haunted places and things like that. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't a driving force for me. Like I wasn't looking to do a show in this genre uh, in particular. And I think a lot of I think that's why this show is so successful, and I think why previous attempts at doing something in this area didn't uh, didn't go as well and i think a lot of it has to do with uh i always equate it to when any other tv show or or attempt was made to cover this like the ufo topic right you know with quotes um it was always people who were interested in ufos but didn't do television i was Mm -hmm. a television producer who just tried to apply my television skills to a different genre and I think that's why it worked. Instead of like being a UFO fan who wants to make a show, I was a guy who makes shows who just wanted to do something on that topic. Well, how did this project come to you? Yeah. Who brings Skinwalker? It was a challenge, uh, literally. Yeah. So it was, it was one of those challenge accepted type of moves. Um, so when you're pitching shows, I'm sure you guys know, like, so you're, it's a constant, it's, it's a numbers game. Um, and you're kind of at the whim of, networks and that's you know you get your mandates and you're trying to find you know match up show ideas and, and try to find topics um there was a the curse of oak island was you know a hit at the time or was just starting to become a hit for any or for history and whenever you know you're pitching they're always like hey we want something to uh, a companion to this show or something like this and what i tend to do is i talk uh i i, I you know i've done some of these interviews in the past and what i like to say is you, know, you don't want to go too far outside the box, right? You don't want to pitch things too far outside the box. You want to pitch around the box. And then what happens is you just pitch just around the edges and then a box moves around you once it becomes successful. And in this case, what we did well, <laughs> is we pitched right on the very edge of the boxes. <laughs> uh, and we said, hey, you have a great concept with the Curse of Oak Island. Um, can, is there any chance of trying to do something paranormal, like a paranormal Oak Island? And the idea that they kept coming back with was you, know, you can't do that um, because there isn't a location. I was like, well, there's a couple. And they're like, yeah, well, there's only two locations, you know, we could think of. And it was Area 51 and Skinwalker Ranch. And nobody can get to any of those, you know, either of those places. Mm. And that was the, well, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so it took me two years. Well, yeah, 18 months of, of digging and digging and digging and, and tracking the owner down and hounding him and hounding, well, actually hounding Thomas Winterton. For a year interesting constant text messages text messages and um the backstory is in, is insane because it was a lot of investigation on my part and i was doing this on my own so the, my producing partner joel patterson and i uh, so we went to college together so we knew each other before we got in the industry and then he was a creator of counting cars one of the creators of counting cars and okay. still runner for pawn stars um at the time like i was at nbc and we had kind of both left and started doing our own thing we we're like hey let's start pitching stuff and uh, so Joel and I, like, during these pitches, it was a constant, um, and he wasn't in contact with him, it was just me. I'm like, listen, I'm going to go after this. And as you guys know, you're not getting, nobody's paying you to do research, right? You're doing this on right. your own. And this is just, I got to get this done somehow, much to the chagrin of my wife. Um, <laughs> and it was constantly texting Thomas. I mean, like clockwork to, to get, to kind of get him to at least talk to me. And I chose Thomas because in the initial research, I found his was one of the only names, actually the only name uh, that was public uh, associated with the ranch that I could, in someone that I could connect with. And it was because 
<laughs> these stories are nuts, man. Uh, it was because Thomas appeared as a, I think it was a proxy in a local suit against, the, from one of the neighbors of Skinwalker Ranch, asking them to remove some obstruction from the road. And he was appearing uh, in, on Brandon's behalf um, and to keep Brandon, you know, the, the owner, like, hidden. And <laughs> the whole story, I mean, I could go on the story behind it for hours, but it ends with, Brandon had started a company called Adamantium LLC. And if you know what Adamantium is, it's what Wolverine's claws are made out of. I was going to say, I wasn't sure that's where we were going, but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's Wolverine's claws. Yes. Okay. Here's this, you know, super successful, wealthy real estate developer who starts a shell company in Delaware because you don't have to publish the names in Delaware and (laughs) named after a superhero's claws. And so eventually when you track them down, uh, I mean, I'm, at least a year's worth of texts with Thomas, you know, months of research, and then finally a year back, I spoke with Thomas. Uh, then Thomas kicked me up to Jim Morse. So Jim is on the show. And uh, Jim was more of the, like, they, they call him Uncle Jim. Uh, Jim became the, um, he was vetting me as well. Mm-hmm. They, they want to make sure that you're, you know, that you're really are who you say you are, that you can do what you say you can do, and um, that you're not, because as you can only imagine in that, that realm, there um, people say a lot of things that aren't necessarily uh, factual. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. there's times where people approach things with a uh, they have loose relationships with the truth, and you know, someone can say, "Oh, I could get you on TV. I could. I want right. to make a show," and it's like, "Okay, no, sure you can't." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they wanted to make sure that we were able to produce, you know, to do that, and then you know, eventually getting to Brandon, um, two in the morning phone calls, and uh, and then once we did talk to him, and we we got the process bring him to A&E in history they didn't even know his first name in the meeting the first meeting we had with one of the executive producers from history we brought him out to salt lake we sat down with brandon and he referred to the owner as poe we used to call him poe as property owner for short so for the mm-hmm. first year of relationship of our pitching we were referring to him as poe because it was part of our you know, you got to have mystique to it. You know, you want, you got to get them interested, right? The, the sure. network got to get them interested. And it's like, no, we can't really reveal this guy. Um, I mean, he didn't want to be revealed, but so that's, that's kind of my, my, I, I skip over a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get it all out to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, what, what, yeah. And I want to hear just in all those details. What was the ranch pri- as what was the ranch's function? It's owned, right? Brandon Fugel owns it at the time that you're going after. You don't, you're trying to find him, but what was its purpose? Was were they researching it? Was it just sitting there? What was the the, the team the team from the show? Are they, were they already in place doing research when you when you approached yes. them? Oh, yes, they were already. It was so. This is why you know this is why it was so uh, interesting to a network because they're like, wait a minute, we have to do no development, no casting. We could just be a fly <laughs> on the wall and watch what's happening. I love and they're it. Like, yeah, pretty much. And they're like, oh, no. because <laughs> mm-hmm. they don't have to do anything. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and so that's why that's that was what really I think helped push it. But I mean, when I pitched it to them, I pitched it as a paranormal Oak Island. I'm like, listen, this is your paranormal Oak Island. Um, it's the only place you're ever going to have it. We're not getting in area 51. And this, this is, this is the opportunity. Um, we had taken it to discovery as well. And discovery was like, mm, not so interested. Mm. And then they did a spinoff right now called blind frog ranch, which is a direct ripoff. And yeah. we, we talked to them. Yeah. Pretty regularly still, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, we really blew that one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, they're, they're like they're like Petticoat Junction to your Green Acres. 
Yeah, that was that was the immediate. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. exact yeah. same comparison, Dave. Yeah, that yeah. was my uh, Green Acres. Obviously, the superior show. Clearly, yeah. clearly, okay. yes, no question. I know. I'll go with you, yeah, TJ. We'll, we'll just assume we know yeah. what he's saying. Um, yes. So this is this is built already, sort of set up research wise. Do you then bring Travis in? Was that was he involved with so, them? Or? No, not at the time. So <clears throat> the way it works is, uh, so I'm the company. Me and Joel, we're Letter Ten Productions. And so in our, so it's a co-pro, right? A co-production uh, with us and Prometheus. So what happened is uh, as you get into um, your negotiations, it's, you know, they have approved vendors. I'm giving you guys the inside baseball part of sure. it because I feel like you understand a lot of don't, a lot of the uh, podcasts or things that I do, if you don't know the industry at all, you're not, you don't really understand like a lot of this, this mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a co-pro situation where we bring it to history because of our previous relationships and Joel's success there. And they want you to partner with one of their approved vendors. In this case, it's Prometheus, who has, you know, a number of hit shows on the network already. And, uh, and it was, uh, you're kind of like, so the president of history was like, listen, we want to put you with them. They're going to take, they're going to be it on the ground. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing, it's our intellectual property. It's our uh, RIP, our vision, our show. And, but they're going to run the day to day. And doing so with, so history partnered us with, uh, Prometheus and the owner of Prometheus, Kevin Burns, who recently passed away, uh, I'd say like two years ago, he's the one who brought Travis in. So Travis got to the show through Kevin and Kevin had done a show with Travis previously called uh, Rocket City Rednecks, I believe it was, under the Prometheus banner. And so once, <laughs> when I sat down, we had dinner, you know, the first time I met Kevin and, and we're talking and he was like, yeah, um, because in the pilot episode, I'm actually the Travis character. Now, oh, I'm a... Interesting. I'm a I'm a data scientist. I have a, well, just recently I have my master's degree. So I'm technically a scientist, but I'm not, I don't have three PhDs and do rocketry and all of that. Um, and so, you know, when I met with Kevin, I was kind of the placeholder, you know, placeholder guy. Uh, if we wanted to go with the average guy kind of investigates this stuff. Great. Um, I was that guy. But if we wanted to go with a credentialed scientist or someone that we could, that could really guide the, you know, the, the science experiments, um, you needed someone more credentialed than, than myself and even Eric Bard, who Eric's, you know, a genius in his own right. Um, and so Kevin was like, yeah, you're not the guy. <laughs> I got somebody else we're bringing in. And I was like, hey, that's although, great. Still my show. Although, but, but... although you're very telegenic. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Now, and now, so, Eric, so Eric was on board as a researcher bef- uh, from, the out, from the outset. Eric, yes. Yeah, so Eric was there. Uh, and he, you know, in that first season, uh, you'll see like he had built a, a Satan box. It was called, it stands for like S-A-T-A-N has like some kind of, uh, it's an acronym for some kind of measurement, tele, whatever measurement devices that, you know, measures like ground movements. And, and uh, it, I don't even remember what all of the measurements were, but they were like these black boxes that he called Satan. And he had mm-hmm. Satan pits, so to speak, he called them. And there were these concrete pits all around the ranch where he would put all of this mechanical gear. And this was happening without a show. So just keep well, in mind, it's all going on. <laughs> the obvious question is, who resented Travis more, you or Eric? <laughs> I don't think anyone resented. <laughs> listen, Who's this guy coming into our ranch? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, the science guy. Yeah. Yeah, um, with, the, with the Southern accent. So yeah. Travis, uh, listen, I love him. I think he's great. Um, oh, he is great. He's great, great for the show. And uh, yep. he, he much better off than I would have been. 
um, because you know my experience is out there like oh, I'm good I'm never going out again I will never well, go there again oh <laughs> what was your experience I'm dying to know yeah um, I've had uh, I, I had a number of them I got really really sick um, so a lot of the stuff that happened to Travis with the burns and the radi- like the, the burns on his hand I think it was on his head yeah um, I experienced a lot of those same things as well I had a, a terrible respiratory issues as well being out there um, heart issues like all kinds of stuff so that when I would come back to New York and go to the doctor nine months I was at the doctors like going in and out without able with no way to identify what was going on um and I was suffering from so I'd like to this is an interesting part of the story because I was having residual effects now hmm. they call it the, they call it the hitchhiker effect mm-hmm. I don't know anything about a hitchhiker effect but what I do know is that I was um I would hear sounds and have you ever heard the term uh, pareidolia? Uh, pareidolia oh, yeah, is like when you look at a cloud. And, and see faces. Like, yeah. And yeah. Or, oh, it's like an elephant. And so my interpretation of after months and months of thinking that I'm going nuts because I'm hearing music in my head, my interpretation was, um, I was I was having like audio pareidolia. Like I was having my ears were ringing. And eventually it was making, making a pattern or a sound in my head. But it was all self-induced. Like it was probably like tinnitus, but eventually your mind starts to play tricks on you. You're like, right. why am I hearing music? But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a constant uh, irritation. And that, along with the, the respiratory problems, like going in and out of the dock, going this like iron lung stuff and these uh, mitochlorian challenge, I was doing all kinds of testing and they couldn't figure it out. Uh, it was just this, this constant uh, sickness that the doctors in New York said, that we weren't able to test for because I didn't, I mean, it's something I learned. Like, so when you do blood tests, what they explained to me was different regions of the country have different, whatever they're called, like lab things that they test for. And we may not in the Northeast have had the, I want to say it's called pallet, uh, in, like the, the testing pallet that they would use in like in the Southwest to, to you know, to say, oh, this is an infection caused by whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had, you know, the, the, the idea of this, like audio hallucinations, just long uh, respiratory infection, long-term respiratory infection, heart, uh, my heart rate kept jumping. We have video of me like being pulled out of a ditch while we're digging and my heart rate's like 140. Um, and I'm a pretty healthy guy. Like, you know, it's not like I, it, that should be happening to me. Um, and so, you know, I, I managed to kind of talk all of those, like they put legitimate explanations um, behind them and uh but i'm not i have no interest in going back um i really i think i'm good yeah it's, you've stayed away from the ranch since then oh yeah absolutely absolutely i haven't been there in years um i just listen whatever it is like something's going on um i'm just not interested in getting going through that yes. like i'm susceptible to whatever it is it's out there and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that like it's some magical woo thing i'm saying whether it's caused by the ground whether it's caused by the air whether it is something you know some kind of uh, pollen i don't know what it is but um well i'm, I'm curious i'm very susceptible. i was curious about whether or not because one thing is when you're watching the show um the the crew is because you do your the job so because the job is being done so well is invisible you don't think about the crew you don't think about the fact right. that, yes you have you have these researchers <laughs> you have this the staff of the ranch itself but on top of that you have all the people necessary to be there to make a show 
Um, right. So you obviously you're crewing up. You've got you've got camera you've got camera operators. I'm assuming probably lighting director, or yeah. at least you know some sort it's of. It's a full it's a full crew. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there. Um, the I mean, and, and you know, one of the questions we'll get a lot is, is do uh, you know does equipment go down? Or of course it does. You know, it, it's but why do you want to go meta and show that? And just for mm. the record, like mm -hmm. I'm not writing stories or anything like that. I'm not part of the storylines. I'm not part of the day to day at all anymore. You know, I, I talk to the guys because they become my friends. Like Jim, you know, they call my, my son calls him uncle Jim, you know, because he, they've known him since he was really little. Like these guys, I, I helped get them on television mm -hmm. when no one else was able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, the right place, right time with a lot of legwork involved. So, you know, the overnight success that, you know, three years in the making, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that, right. it wasn't like that. And he had spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars, at least a, I want to say it was over $10 million already in research of his own money without any interest in a TV show and, mm -hmm. and didn't even want to be on camera in our pilot. We had a voice box where he's like, yes, blah, blah, blah. It was like, oh, cloak and dagger. Like, uh, didn't yeah. want to be known because he was afraid, the owner that is, was afraid well, of being well, I, uh, exposed. Well, I know uh, Jeremy Corbell is a friend of mine. I know he had done a, a, he had done a documentary about Skinwalker and I know in that Brandon Fugel did not appear on camera. He did a, sort of the shadowy figure interviews. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, listen, that. It, that was around the same. It was just around the same time his stuff that happened. But he had the difference was it he had gotten access to kind of experience it, but he wasn't allowed to pro provide any new footage. Um, mm. And I so I had been we had probably got there maybe six six eight months beforehand. Um, so it was a it was the you know, we were the build. The, the the selling point was, hey, first camera ever, first time ever. You know, new footage from Skinwalker Ranch. That was one of the selling points as well. But Jerry does great stuff, man. Like he's in it. He is in it in a much bigger way than I am. I'm, you know, I'm still. I, I, I yeah, I did this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got a show yeah. going about the topic, but I'm and, not well, and as. It, and it's whatever. It. I think you've you've set something in motion that's that's. Um definitely change the public consciousness about this because i don't think because i'm like i i think uh for all the stuff that's been written about in the past like the, the the george knapp book and and the previous documentary and all that this has kind of really made skinwalker more broad people are more broadly aware of it as a result of this show yes and that was but, one of the the big selling points again because when you're pitching it and you're packaging it and you're you're showing them analytics of how much traffic there is just built in you guys have done no money on PR, nothing. You're, we're coming to the table with 15 years of history or 20 years of history, you know, in and out of public consciousness. Movies were made. Other stuff was made. Documentaries, books. It's like it, it's the perfect storm where it's a much easier lift for a, a network to get behind it. And it did. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't ever say this. Uh, this is probably the first time I'm going to say it. Like, because of what myself and my partner did, that's why UFOs are as big as they are now, because we did it just in 2017 as this was happening. Like if we didn't, if we weren't there to elevate it at the time, it still, it would have not gotten the traction. It would not be in the public consciousness the way it is. Um, and Jeremy has, is a big part of that as well. We're not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying like, no, well, you guys, takes, have... this takes it to the next level. Oh yeah. And the way you, well, you've changed the trajectory of uh, Travis's career. Uh, yeah. Because we found out, you know, at the beginning of the season that uh, he was 
appointed as the lead scientist on the UAP task force that that, yeah. that he had to keep secret for for uh, over a year or two years. Was that that he? Was... Yeah, to uh, a while. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even so, have all the details anymore of that. Like you know, who knows, right? It's... Yeah. So there's so the show changed. You know, he's now he's now become. You know, he was a, he was a rocket scientist, and now he's the UFO scientist uh, of record. Yep. And what it's great about it is it adds a, a layer of credibility to this that I think is really helping. I mean, look, it's we're, we're killing it right now. We're, we're our ratings are higher than they were in season one, mm-hmm. um, which you know week after week, which is amazing. And it, it's just kind of like nothing gets four seasons anymore. Who gets four seasons on anything anymore? Like you just no. don't. No, it's crazy. Um, I, 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 oh, good. I so it's understand not just it me. like you guys do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, four seasons on, it's unheard of. But, um, well, I, I have to say, after watching 10 years of Oak Island, I feel <laughs> like Skinwalker is my reward. You know, it's you like go. more more happens in one episode of Skinwalker Ranch than in the 10 seasons of Oak Island, a show that's near and dear to my heart. But my my wife and I watch it with a certain masochistic, uh, you know, energy of like and it's it somehow that somehow the 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 limits of that show in, in it, you know, gives it its own credibility. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're 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 pulling up wood at the end of every season finale and you're going, what the f- Fuck. Like what did I do? What the fuck did I just sit through for fucking hours? And they and you come back and it's just this terrible like kind of tease. But this show up is different. Uh, you know, look, I gotta yeah. just I had to get that out. That's been building for I a love long time. That. Yeah. So I, having said that, this show does ride. It's on a fence, right? It's entertainment. Clearly, it's entertaining. It's mm-hmm. designed mm-hmm. as entertainment. And yet Absolutely. there is now this sort of there is this credibility question. It is at the f- it's at the front of the line in terms of people plugging into this phenomenon, in terms of the players involved, you know, because Travis is now in the government and then the Jay Stratton is coming in and there's all this kind of. So I guess my question is, as a fan, but also as someone, you know, I, I am concerned a little bit about just about the nature of this conversation, not our conversation, but just the UFO conversation, right? Because there's the right. there's the real sensationalistic aspect. And then there's like this real fucking story that's happening that's really important and is happening in the government right now and is becoming... So that boils down to what is post like in this show? Like the yeah. post-production process <laughs> because I... Is there ever this, there's this sense of like, oh, well, can we make that orb a little brighter? Or like what? I'm just, yeah. how does. Or, or could Dragon go on a date? Well, yeah. there's always. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so, yeah. Not, it, that, it, not, it, not it, in that uniform. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please, God, no. <laughs> not in uniform. <laughs> um, so, again, I'm not, in the, I'm not in post on this at all. But I know from talking to, you know, the, where I speak with. Um, yeah, it is intense because there's so much of it. Um, I mean, you're out. I, I don't even. I, I don't even want to quote what I think the last number was, but I, I feel like it's something stupid, man. It's like thirty hours per minute or something like that. It's dumb. Yeah. It's a lot of. It's a lot of footage. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, that might be a. a somewhat, that seems reasonable. Somewhat, yeah. No, I, yeah, can, I, I can believe that. That seems a reasonable yeah. ratio. It's it's a lot, and uh, that there's no when you see it. So from you know. They know what they have when they're there. 
right? You know, oh my God. Like, so that's, there's no surprise unless it's Eric. So Eric Bard is, he is that guy. Like he, he's out there when we're not shooting. Like, I mean, I talked to him all year round. He's out the ranch alone with Thomas. Like it'll be him and Thomas and, and, you know, and then either Caleb or dragging around, but Eric's in that building by himself day after day, after day, after day, after day, still working it. Um, and so he knows when they don't catch stuff during the episode uh, and the rest of the crew, you know, when people don't see it, the stuff that's found after Eric lets you know, like I found that after because mm-hmm. I watched 300 hours of footage mm-hmm. in slow motion or you know, fast forward. And, you know, I, I, I applied this and this and, and the guy is just uh, on another level, but there's, um, there's just so much, man. It is so, there's so much going on out there. And, and I try not to be, you know, I say it again, like I try not to be hyperbolic about any of this because you don't need to be right. It is, there's a stuff happening. Like my story is my story. What happened to me happened to me. I'm not attributing it to anything because I don't know, but no. Were you, ever, were you ever able to, to do the blood workup in Utah to see if there was any difference in results? Or no, I just wanted to go back. <laughs> I was yeah, home. They could just send uh, your blood, couldn't they? <laughs> send some I blood could probably. I, I, yeah. I, you know, his was, wife um, was saying you are not going back to fucking yeah. skin. Yeah. One. That, yeah, no, 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 there's more. And to I, that I was going to say, consider, consider, I'm sorry, considering. Oh, oh the, go on. There's more. No, to no, story? no. I want to hear your okay. question. I, we'll get to that. Well, my yeah. question was, it was basically that it was like considering what happened to you and obviously what happened mm-hmm. to Thomas and you know repeatedly, um, as you're crewing up this show, uh, how much disclosure do you did you have to give to these people? I mean, did I mean how much information did you have about the potential risks going? No, they into know. This? Everyone signs a waiver before they go on site. Like they sign a waiver, a health waiver. They know. Um, and they're, they're putting themselves in. They're told about past occurrences. Yeah. They, every, so, I, so those these are interesting people that choose to be on this crew. Yes, they are. <laughs> you have to have. You know, it's funny you're saying this because I, I try to explain to people sometimes, you know, and I, I, I go, I always go to the ghost hunting shows because right. uh, when I think of the ghost hunting shows, I'm like, you know, you're looking at a guy's face and he's scared. But there's a guy with a camera walking backwards. So whatever he's looking at, scared of, this guy is it's behind him. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, what are you seeing? What are you yeah. seeing? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you got to understand that these guys are hardcore production people. Like, you know, you don't go out yeah. there not accepting risks. And to me, I always bring it back to the TV angle of things. You know, it's that's how I see the world, right? I always see it through production uh, lenses and, yeah. and <laughs> pun intended, I suppose. The uh, but those guys are pretty pretty intense, and they all know though, and I think it's a lot of the same people now. Uh, Camera operators are all a little bit crazy. Oh yeah, yes they are. They're like yeah, they're, <laughs> they want to be in the shit. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are. The, they take amazing risks. Camera operators in my in my history of being in, in this business. So yeah. going, but going back to because I am fascinated about what you thought you might be getting into, visiting right. the ranch, and then what it became, which is sort of not funny okay. at all. Um, you know, like, I don't know where you like, oh, I'm going to go to like, you know, the haunted play or skin, you know, like, I, you I know it's cool. About- like, I know it's yeah. a, I know it's like a cool idea and a great idea for a show, obviously. And you were correct. But the actual phenomenon itself, do you feel like you take the phenomenon seriously in your at the time? Or what was your attitude yes. towards it? And then if you'd heard okay. there was a risk in going there, how yes, seriously I read did the- you take it? 
yes, I read the books. Uh, I read the book, um, listened to anything I could to kind of prepare myself. Um, and yeah, I guess in the back of my head, I kind of maybe, maybe something, but I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm such a jaded cynic from working in TV so long, right? You always yeah, think like, yeah, oh, sure. it's all BS. It's BS. Yeah. Everything's BS. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's the way that stuff is presented on TV at times. And I, I tend to use these old school ghost hunting shows a lot where it's like the guy wants to rip off his shirt with a, you know, with a night vision camera and fight a ghost. Mm -hmm. And then he, wants, mm -hmm. then he goes home. Like mm -hmm. he stays there for the weekend and goes home. Like, uh, okay. So seeing that, I'm like, yeah, well, that's probably not what's going to happen. But, you know, I am going out into the woods. Like my, my wife, you know, one of her concerns was like, you don't really know these people. You've never met these mm. people. You're going out into the middle of nowhere. It's like that, that to me is a bigger risk, right? Like if, if you think of, we know there are crazy people in the world that we, <laughs> yeah. is it a cult? Who are these? Yeah. Uh, I, have, mm -hmm. I have some other stories about that, but yes, there's, there's, uh, there's, you know, evidence of, of people being, you know, abducted people just being, you know, just disappearing, um, going away for something. Well, that's a real possibility. And I was like, no, 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 you know, I'm okay. It's a go with Joel and, you know, we're going to be okay. And, and, you know, I trust these guys and I talked to them for so long. And, but when I got out there, you know, some of the, the people who lived in the area, like they were like, listen, don't go on the property. Like you have to, they gave me a power stone that I had to keep on me. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, what yeah. man, like whatever I got to do, you know, that's fine. Um, you know, they, 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 some ritualistic stuff where they would do, you know, they, they would pray before we go and, and uh, burning stuff. And, you know, some, some of the, the Native Americans in the area, like when you go on and it was, it was a, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of makes things real. Yeah. Because did, what, that, did that give you pause? When, <laughs> yeah, when absolutely. Pause people, absolutely. These people are wanting to take care of you in this way. Yes, it, absolutely. It, 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 it's unnerving because it's like, well, they're, why are they, Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, because they have generations of generations of exposure to this phenomena. Whatever it is that's doing this, I I don't know. I don't know what to expect anymore. Um I was trying to make sure that, you know, I have a family and I was taking care of myself for my you know, for my benefit and my family's benefit. But you know, so any opportunity to like use something that they were providing, sure. like I'm gonna take advantage of it. Um I uh same with my partner. You know, but, but so it becomes real when, you know, I'm not sick while I'm out there, but the phenomenon becomes real when, you know, you, for the first time, like I witnessed like a drone falling out of the sky, our drone, my drone's fine. There's no reason my drone's falling out of the sky. Like when you start seeing the things happen with your own eyes for the first time, like, yeah, batteries die. This, my phone in episode one, season one, the phone that Eric has in the show is my phone. It bricked while I was out there for no reason. It's a brand new frigging phone. Just died, up and died, like literally died while we were on set. He never was able to be turned on again. Um, he took it apart and did all this and no idea. Um, but there's uh, when you see those kind of things happen, you're like, what the hell? What's going on? Like, I... I'm, you know, pretty sane guy. Like, I, I, I don't expect these things uh, to happen. Um, and again, I don't know. You know, my first 
instinct, I'm always looking for the plausible solution. It's radiation. How long, it's, how long were you out there were shooting the pilot? How long did the pilot take to, to produce? I've gone out there multiple times. So um, I'm going to say all, like probably a couple of weeks at a time, maybe three or four, four times. So, mm -hmm. you know, over the course of a few months, going back and forth um, for a couple of weeks at a time, it wasn't all just shooting. There was a lot of other stuff going on as well. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, as you know, a lot goes into getting this off the ground. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it was, but the whole experience was great. I wasn't, I was never, nothing was happening to me physically while I was, except for my heart, the heart thing, you know, you know, the heart racing thing. All right. That was while you were there. That was while that pulled me out that's, of a ditch. That's pretty camera. alarming. That's pretty it alarming was. on its own. It was. To suddenly have um, a racing heart for no reason. Yes. Uh, yeah, I try to gloss over, like I try not to, you know, what the hell was that? Um, mm -hmm. And, and then sometimes I feel like, wow, that was pretty stupid to put myself in a hole and know that, you know, a Geiger counter is going off. You know, there's there's other stuff going off. And it's like, yeah, but I'm here to dig. So we're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, don't dig. Uh, Never dig. That seems yeah. to be the that seems to be the rule. And there is at times when your phone bricks out and when the drone falls out of the sky and you're saying like, this this bananas like what is going are you also going like this is going to be a fucking great show like this yes. is going to like this is going to fucking rock man that's like yes. my... yeah you're right on i mean it's, it's, you have this you're being torn because you're like holy shit this is really happening and we got did you get that did you get the job like <laughs> yeah, right now, guys there with us like did you get that yeah and what's what's the size of the crew you're working with there like how many camera operators do you have oh. Well, now I, I couldn't even tell you now. It's, it depends. Obviously, it's, it's, there's all the stationary cameras throughout the ranch as well that you're accessing. Yeah. So uh, when I was out there, I mean, we had three, we brought three camera ops with us. Um, and But Eric at that time only had, I'm going to say, I want to say like 30 something cameras stationary set up. Um, mm -hmm. um, and now it's way more. Like you don't see anywhere near what's, you know, on the show, what's out there and what you're, mm -hmm. what he really is capturing. It's just so much more. It's, it's boring. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't. Yes. What are you yeah. gonna do? Watch. And you also, watch, uh, and also you on know, the show, you're, you, you, you tend to splinter off your crews on that show. Did we, were you doing that in the pilot? So you must've had, you must've had multiple like sound recordists as well. No, well, that's or, funny. Yes, we did. And we're glad we did because there were times when sound recording stuff would go down all the time. And we would have these great interviews and, and, um, uh, because a lot of the people that we started the show with, like one of them died, this guy, junior Hicks, he was like the historian. Uh, he was the guy who like brought the local guy who wasn't just focused on skinwalker ranch. He was the historian of the, the legend of the skinwalker and all of these, these crazy phenomenon that would happen in that entire basin. Um, and he was like in his eighties and he'd been for like 50 years keeping records of all of these things. And we had gotten him and done a great a couple of great interviews with him. Um, and it was almost like clockwork. Like anytime you'd have him mic'd and you're running sound, his mics always died. Always died, no matter what. Uh, brand new batteries, brand new mic, always went down. Um, and it becomes like, well, they don't want, you know, nobody wants to hear what he has to say. They, you got to make sure you can't hear what he says. And um, But he was, uh, it happened to him a lot. Um, the drone fell out of the sky multiple times, like, it would just stop or it would freak out and stuff would just happen. Um, yeah. Camera gear was pretty, was gone pretty regularly. 
uh, a lot. And one of our awesome, one of our best interviews, I was going to say, when we were shooting, uh, putting a package together, um, it was, I mean, we had this great interview, a stand-up, probably like two hours long with this woman, uh, nothing recorded. Nothing. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I, it's like, come on, and that's, we're professionals, right? Like, yeah, you're monitoring. You're monitoring. You're, yeah, you get. You got a lot it's of recording. That's on there. Yeah, it's recording. Like, I don't yeah. care. It's recording. In my entire yeah. career, never have that stuff happen. If, if it does, it's because somebody didn't push the button. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but there's. Yeah, I've uh, never. I've never. Yeah, I've never heard of that happening on a, any set I've ever been on. Where yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's just not a thing. It's not a no. thing. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. You look at you look at your. You look at your panels and everything seems to be working there. It's working. Yep. Did you ever have the chance to just say to Brandon or Eric, okay, guys, just between you and me, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what is, is there fucking a ship in the mountain? Is there a, like, give me the, some, give me theory. I mean, I know they postulate a lot. They're not shy about throwing out intense ideas on the show, but I was just curious when you, when you were with them and they're doing this research on their own, Brandon's obviously invested money millions. into this place yeah millions and what do you what do you think they think what do you so that's a great question um and i've i've watched it kind of change over the last few years uh it's nobody knows what is going on yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody knows but i feel that's happening is the narratives the public is the public is creating narratives that they're placing on it. And um, I, you can't, it's like playing whack-a-mole. You can't address every single one, right? And, and if you don't, then it's like, oh, they're not addressing this. It's a cover-up. It's like, right. no. They're, Eric has always said, I'm an observer. When I first met him, he's like, look, we're doing observational science here. I am not, he was adamantly opposed to doing rockets, to digging. Eric wanted no part of any of it at all. <laughs> like, to the point where he would get freaking angry and flip out. Like, listen, really? I don't want, no, this is not what we're here for. We know what happens when we do this, 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 this. And here comes this guy who just wants to start poking shit. No. <laughs> um, and so he was such a believer, such a, he was so aware and conscious of the threat and the actual effects that, that the, that doing all this stuff, it, he, he was afraid of the results. Yeah. It, it was more of, I don't know if he was afraid of the, I don't know if he was afraid of the results. It was, oh, maybe, maybe that's a good way to say it, I guess, because he, I think he was just trying to err on the side of caution and be smart. Like, right. if you yeah. if you know that if somebody does this, something bad's going to happen, then guess what you do? You don't do this thing. Well, there's you definitely <laughs> that felt that tension in season one where it seemed like when Travis came in, he kept saying, let's do, you know, there was, and everyone else was going, uh, maybe, no, I don't know about doing that. Dragon got pissed yeah. too. Yeah. About the dig. About, yeah. Digging, you know, like, you know, just, you know, where that, it I, didn't I, seem like there was that, there I'm was that him. internal tension there. Like, don't, yes, yeah. Don't do it. I'm with you. And I was with him. And I think that they were all, you know, it, it doesn't translate as well on television. I don't think it's, it's what they were really experiencing. Like these guys, you know, it almost looks campy when you see that, that they're kind of afraid, but they were genuinely afraid. Like that's not BS. Like, and they're not actors. This is one of the hard things, you know, you got to explain to people like, these are guys, right? Brandon, these are his, he hired them. He's worked with Eric for years. He's known dragon most of his life. Well, Bryant, you know, most of his life, he's known Jim. He's been business with Jim for 20, 30 years. Like, 
if you just step back and look at the profiles of these pictures or, or, or the profile of the people, they don't strike you as people that are going to go like Indiana Jones, right? Like they're mm-hmm. not out looking for trouble. They're successful, measured people. Um, and now it's, it, you can see that the, the, you know, what happens when you get popular and you get on television, you know, it, it kind of takes on its own life of its own and your persona, you know, kind of, you mean into that and fine. But there's still like a lot of unknown that they're not going to, no one's going to possibly, it is this. Sometimes Brandon says some stuff that's out there, but I think he gets caught up in the moment. Um, Eric, and I, you have to listen to the words he said. It's like this last week's episode, I just wish people would pay attention to what he says because Eric doesn't say things that aren't true. And if you, he's giving away stuff every week that, if people understood what he's saying and listened, they would get it and, and get rid of the, 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 the subjectivity of, oh, it's this, it's that, it's whatever. Eric's very clear, um, you know, what he is and isn't doing, what should and shouldn't be where it is, what he is and isn't finding. And he is, um, he's probably one of the smartest people I've ever encountered. Um, and he, uh, he is the, ang- not the angry, he is the, the, the Doc Brown of like just, obsessed with this he's going to figure something out here um yeah they're, they're these guys are not i, I don't see them trying to they're, they're, no one's going to make any claims um of something unless they're actually going to be able to show you something and we haven't made it i still don't feel like there's any claims made like no one's saying it's no, I think they're, they're yeah, they're they're. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, not that. Yeah, not that. This is the answer, or this is the pheno- what the nature of the phenomena is. But there's just a lot of uh, constantly aff- reaffirming that there is a phenomenon. There is or phenomena going on in this place, and that Listen, yeah. Uh, I'm with, I saw stuff. I experienced stuff. That I can't explain. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I, you could call it phenomena, you could call it whatever, but I, I swear, like, this, and we caught it on a camera when I was out there. Like, I saw something in the sky that the best way I was describing it was like a, a, a potato sack blowing in the wind, like one of the wraiths from uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, one of the nine. I, I saw it, and I'm, I'm like, and they catch it for a second, and I start chase, running around this tree trying to, you know, get a better view of it, and it's gone, but we get it on camera, and it looks like a potato sack floating in the wind, and then it disappears. I'm like, what the heck? Like, this is a ranch in the middle of nowhere. What the, what the potato sack? What? Like, yeah. it, doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Um, 
and the smells you would get, they would, the, uh, they smells, were telling right? me yeah. crazy smells tell us, of sulfur. Yeah, tell us about that. Sulfur smells. Uh, we'd be on the mesa, on the ridge, late at night. And this was a thing, right? You're up there, like most of the nights when we would go out there, because look, it, it, let's see what you can, let's see what we can capture, let's see what we can experience. Sure. Um, you know, one, two in the morning, and you're up there, and all of a sudden you'll just catch a whiff of sulfur, crazy sulfur, like a burning smell. And it's gone. And then a little while later it comes back. And it's gone. And, you know, it's like, what, it just doesn't make any sense. What, what, you know, what is this? And Eric tries to explain, he's like, well, you know, some of the theories are that it's when things uh, appear and disappear. He was like, you know, that's one of the theories that people say it is, but we haven't been able to figure out or track down where that smell is coming from because there shouldn't be any, there's no indication of sulfur leaks or any kind of sulfur springs or anything here. Um, but I smelled sulfur, like all of yeah. us did. <laughs> and and um, that's not generally how odors work. They don't switch on and off like like a switch. They ramp up and they ramp down. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't yeah. even think of it that way. But uh and you know, you got some T V execs out there from you know, come out from New York and they're scared shitless now because it's like, why am I smelling stuff in the <laughs> two in the morning? I'm standing on a ridge, freezing my yeah. ass off and I'm smelling sulfur. <laughs> yeah. What's going I, on? I, I, I would Not assume. great associations with sulfur either. No. It's either like the, a demon or there's a volcano about to go off under you. Neither, neither one is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I got to say, yeah, it must really be disturbing to people who come out there who have religious beliefs to suddenly be having weird, weird, weird uh, happenings and to have it accompanied by a sulfur smell. It must be very disconcerting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's like fire and brimstone is like legitimately happening in their world. Yeah. And but, I mean, now, what are what the sort of. Uh, uh, incidents occurred while you were there. You you said that it seems like there was a few others. There's, yeah, it just it keeps going. I mean, I could go on. There's so well, many. Please I do. Like this, I feel like there's way better questions. There's way better stuff we could talk about. Like, mine are just anecdotal experiences. You know, it's it's. Uh, but I mean, just like. But just know, to extent, I think you're kind of you kind of uh, to me you represent that whole crew, the, all these people who are taking these risks of being there, and who aren't on camera and aren't becoming you know you know. Uh, public figures it's right. these people but people who are experiencing this firsthand and uh and i think I, listen, I, you know i did you and i won't go back though yeah <laughs> like i did it yeah i got it off the ground we got it going and oh like i have no interest in going back <laughs> yeah. and just to establish this was pre-covid that you yeah. went through all this stuff like this was not you this, there was no any of that, a long coat, none of that. This was completely before any of that hit. You were experiencing this months long health issue with yep. multiple symptoms that you couldn't associate with anything other than your experience at the ranch. That was, yes, that's a good assessment of it. Jesus. Um, and I wish I could, like, I wish I had simple explanations, you know, but I, mm -hmm. I don't. Um, I mean, but the whole process, you know, the whole thing leading up to it, um, you know, there's, I have these stories of, of uh, where we lived, we, we lived, lived in a cul-de-sac at the time. You know, we just moved down to New York City, outside the city. And, uh, you know, we used to have these, these sprinter vans that would park in front of our, our house. While I'm doing, while I'm digging into this and talking to Brandon, talk, or, you know, all of this process is happening. And, you know, there's that element, that conspiracy theory element of stuff that, like, really, you know, I'm just a guy, man. <laughs> like, there's no reason to be monitored. Like, my neighbors were starting to get nervous. People would go out and take pictures of this thing. We'd call the police. Like, this was a 
just parked in front of our house for no reason. All just some what black van? What is it? Two, What's it two like? spinner, two big spinner vans would just park themselves uh, in a cul-de-sac in front of mm. our house. Now, you know, <laughs> are you looking for stuff like maybe is that about what I'm doing right now? You know, is it cause correlation causation? I don't know. Is, it, is that because of this yeah. or was there something else? But we could not. No one in our neighborhood able to find out why these things were done. But this was for you know weeks at a time. Um, and I felt like, you know, I wonder if they're like listening because of the stuff that they're talking about. Like, I feel a lot of people are interested in this topic that, uh, they're, they're like closeted list, closeted interested in this. And, and I, and I say that like even officials, right. They, 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 it's, it's a sexy topic. It's interesting. There's no answers. No one has anything, but there, it lends itself to great stories you know, conspiracies, quests for these things. Um, and I feel like people are trying to get as much of this information as they can. Um, and they're all looking for different sources. And I feel like, you know, the, here I come as a, someone who makes television shows, home renovation shows, rockets, like, I'm not a UFO guy. Why is this guy involved? And it's like, I'll, I'll, I'm bringing a different, like, I'm giving them a, another look at it. And it's like, well, maybe they're just like marking us, right? Anybody who, who is talking to these certain people like Corbells or whatever, um, they watch their circle and they're like, Oh, okay, let's see. Why is this guy inter interacting? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like there's more stories here to tell, like uh, well, television stories to tell. Yeah. Two sprinter vans suddenly showing up. It does seem like if it's somebody surveilling, it's somebody who wants you to know you're being surveilled. Otherwise, yeah. you know, otherwise maybe they'd be in a, you know, a VW bus or, yeah, right, or, right. or a Pinto. Or, yeah, that's, <laughs> a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty intimidating sight. It's scary. And and it's like, yeah, maybe that's, maybe it's, so this is a double, triple thing, right? Where you're like, well, maybe it is. So I tell the story to people. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do that so that during the process, I have a story to tell about this and I perpetuate their, you know, the surveillance state or whatever you want to call it. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, yeah. Right. The I, men in black of it all. I was going to ask now: Did anyone in your family have any kind of hitchhiker effects? I mean, that's stuff people that have. Uh, that's one of the things that people are cautioned about: is that you, that you go there and you might bring something back to your family. Um, no, <laughs> I don't no? think so. <laughs> well, good. Knock it on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's yeah, a good thing. Like, what, uh, well, I've not. Yeah, nobody else. Um, no, I think I think my my wife is glad that my time there is done like that my time going out there like it was just it's a listen it does it weighs on you it, it's a stressful because when you're out after the first you know couple times whatever and then you like you start developing some kind of ailment and it's like you gotta be kidding this, mm. this can't be and then it's it just kind of and then it takes on a life of its own and then you start you know getting in your head about all of it and look it's uh i, I don't know um I have no answers, right? And yeah. I, my wife was fine. She had, my son had no problems, luckily. So, um, what would you say the, the 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 commonality of of the hitchhiker thing? I mean, is this something that is? I mean, have you spoken to others? I mean, is it is it ten percent, five percent, fifty percent of people that go wow. to this? So there's no. And this is one of the. Uh, this is one of my pet peeves. Like, you know, there's, and, and there's this is a bigger thing where where it, it has a lot to do with people's perception of uh okay somebody goes to the ranch and they come home and then they have a cold 
mm-hmm. while all the cold was from it. Well, somebody goes to ranch, they come home, they sprain their ankle. Oh, that's from, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know to what extent, a lot, you know, things have occurred to people. See, this, this mm-hmm. is the kind of things that people, so what I, the story I was just about to tell you was, you know, while, while I was out there, while we were out there shooting the pilot, um, the camera guy, his dad died. Like, that's, and he's a young kid, the kid was, you know, 20 something, and it's like, it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then that takes on a life of its own. Right. Yeah. Um, is that because of this? Was that cause from this? You know, there, there's uh, so it's hard to kind of put any kind of real data together on that um, because you, you can make a case for anything, essentially. So uh, the I, I don't I, wouldn't, I don't have an answer for like the percentage of people that things like that sure. would have, have happened to is what I'm trying to say. But it's like if it's subjective, it's you can't, you know, it's. Well, I got a cold. Well, I broke my arm. Well, this guy's dad died. Well, this, okay. So how do I know? How do you quantify that stuff? Well, right. How many, well, just, uh, were there other members of your crew who had health effects, adverse health effects from the time that they were shooting? Not that, no, not that I, not that I was with at any point in time. I was the only one that ended up, uh, having any kind of effects and, you know, they, they, again, it perpetuates the legend, right? It's, um, yeah. you know, you were out there and, and you must have not had good intentions or, you know, you said something or you thought something bad or, you know, it's or, or it was someone who wanted to follow you home. Like there's all these different narratives, you know, could it be a good thing that you got that you were affected or it could have been a bad thing that you were affected. You know, it, it was benevolent or malevolent. It was one or the other. And, and it wanted to, it wanted to follow you to live vicariously through you. That's why it hitched itself to you or it hitched you to punish you for, you know, having bad intentions. Like. I don't, I, I don't subscribe to either. I don't know. Um, I was yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So. I, I wanted to just pivot a little to when you, when you were dealing with Brandon and dealing with Thomas Winterton and you're setting this, this thing up, was there an agreement? I mean, I'm sure Eric and people like that were concerned of like, what's going to happen to our footage? What's going to happen to, how is this going to be how is this going to be treated? Was there an, were, were there agreements of like how the footage would be treated or not messed with or any of that? I mean, I, just in terms of, again, as a fan, I want it all to be like real and I want to, you know, and I, and obviously I believe all those intentions are good. I'm just curious if there were, if there were early discussions of that. Absolutely. And, you know, to that point, we were the first to ever get footage off the ranch is with Brandon being the owner. We were the first to ever be allowed to take anything new off. Um, right. And with that agreement, like we, you're not allowed, there's no manipulation of anything. You're not, that was uh, right out of the gate. He didn't want, he didn't want to take that approach to anything. Uh, you know, we're like, well, in post-production, it's not manipulation, but you know, we have to edit stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. But I mean, uh, manipulating the intent of anything or manipulating or presenting things in a way that as if they didn't happen, that was never, that was always not going to be a thing that was allowed. Um, and so that was, yeah, he was very protective of, of that. Um, Eric too, well, Eric never wanted to, neither one of them wanted to do a TV show, but Eric definitely didn't want to do a TV show and he still doesn't want to do a TV show. I think he just wants to be left alone to do science out there. That's really um, funny that he's so, he he's so hardcore. Yeah, that's good for Eric. That's great. Um, I, look, I think it helps the credibility. Of, uh, and also, I mean, again, not to, uh, to Oak Island's credit, you know, if if they're manipulating things, they're being extraordinarily subtle about it because not a lot's happening on that show, but they continue to go back and people watch. And I think people want to 
you know, I think that shows that uh, that sort of realism, actual realism, not that sort of real, but actual realism plays. People want to be a part of it without feeling manipulated, without feeling like they're being, you know, um, messed with or, or or told something's cooler than it actually was. I mean, I think the, that's the, that's the fascination of this whole story. Yeah. So it's it's reassuring to to know that was kind of the ag- agreement out of the gate, you know, like we'll shoot what we shoot and, and yeah, let the pieces fall very, they may. Didn't want, like seriously was very much in the camp of like, I need this to be as, you know, presented as factually as possible. Like it can't, because he has a reputation outside of this. You know, he's a, right. he's a businessman. Like he's successful at what he does. This, if this, you know, can affect that part of his credibility, I think, I think that was his biggest concern. Like that, this, this topic, and again, it is professionally expensive to, to pitch this. Like in pitching it in recently, so after Discovery uh, in the last year with the, the Warner Discovery, you know, the merger and all this, and a lot of people were, were let go. One of the people that was there when we were pitching Skinwalker, um, and now she's doing development, and on the call, kid you not, she was there. <laughs> she says, I was in. I was on the uh, call when you guys were laughed out of the room. I was like, "Wait, we were laughed out of a room? <laughs> like, what are you talking about?" Because when we pitched it to Discovery, and they were like, "No, nah, this isn't happening." They weren't interested at all. It was like in, in, she was just up and coming, you know, at that time. Like she was, you know, but she was in development, and mm-hmm. and now they're they're coming back. That's like, what else do you have? What else do you have? Um, mm-hmm. But to hear that, like. That was the impression. That's how it was received. Even as professionals with history of successful production, you know, producing successful shows, nothing in this realm. You pitch it one time, and now you're branded as that. You're yeah, the guy yes. who does that, and it's well, and it's a hard, you know, it, it's a hard kind of. The, well, the stigma around the yeah. stigma yeah. around this is so strong, and 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 t- to your credit, uh, the show that you you created uh, is helping to. Uh, relieve some of that stigma yeah. Yeah. you know I'm, I'm hoping and i feel like whenever i talk about it you know I, I try to take the most sober approach that i can like i'll tell you my stories i don't make any conclusions um i have no there's it is what it is like these are the things that happened um and people can put their own spin on it like you know people think that i'm some kind of cia operative and i'm this that and whatever else and it's I, okay <laughs> like what do you say um yeah but i'm, I'm hoping that you know I'm also I, I I have another career as a data scientist. I'm I, I I do other things, and you know I'm 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 going into my second act, right? I want to pivot away from TV. It's like it's so funny, you know. I've been trying to get out of television for the last you know five six years. At the very end of my career, after twenty some odd years, and it's like you know I see the writing on the wall. Like hey, I'm getting I, I can't I don't have the hustle that I had twenty years ago to do eighteen hour days, and, and you know just as that's happening. I finally have a show hit. I'm like, son of a, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> all these years you wait until the right. very end, <laughs> and then it's yeah. uh, you know you already got one foot out, and it's like, but you can't now. You can't. You, you work your whole career to get to this point, mm-hmm. and now when it's hitting, you're like, well, I'm I'm, I'm in it now. Um, yeah. But I mean, TV, as you know, it's changed so much um, that the the, the the dollars just aren't there as they were in the past. Um, mm-hmm. You know, season four. Of a one of the number one shows on cable. I'm retiring. I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this was 20, uh, 2008. I'm done. Mm-hmm. See you later. Mm-hmm. Not 2008 anymore. 
Um, yeah. The audience is, you know, we're getting 2 million viewers and it's amazing. Like, we're getting a, a 2.0 in, on Tuesday nights and it's incredible. Like 2.0 in 2010 is like, wait, that's it? That, what are you talking yep. about? We're number one yeah. with that. Yeah. Now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, so, we're coming to you from this location because we're not going past the picket line of where we normally shoot at, Rand- at CBS Radford because it's uh, it's it is, a, you know, it's a reality. I'm a WGA uh, member and and um, we, you know, we're just it's yeah, it's it's it has, something's got to something's got to give. Um, I, got my, cover my, I got my vote. I got a vote. Yeah. My, the SAG vote. And it was the first well, time. I got to tell yeah. you, it was my first time I was so annoyed because when they when the WGA strike started, so you guys have been around, right? So I could talk to you about like the entertainment business as well. Like, yeah. you know, what what's crazy to me is I was getting the notices from SAG, like, no, still work. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? They're getting a strike and you're not telling, you're not telling your SAG members to go and support them? Like that's, and I, I feel like this is 1999 all over again when SAG and AFTRA were trying to merge and they mm-hmm. didn't. And it was, you know, well, there were two separate things, and you know what happened? Streaming happened, and all the actors got screwed. And so, mm-hmm. right now, well, all human talent got screwed, and the, the the distributors made money. Well, right now, here we are. The writers are striking. You know, the actors better strike as well. Like, what people need to understand is, if the humans don't coalesce as a unit, not about their skill set, the fact that they're meat bags, right? That they're humans. Yeah. yeah. They don't all get together and say. Like we all got to do this now or else AI takes over and we're done. Like yeah. there's no reason to have a writer. There's no reason to have an actor unless humans make them have these reasons. And I feel like that is not being discussed right now. And it's so troublesome to me. Like it's short-sighted and it's the same thing that happened in the late nineties and streaming killed the industry. Like if, mm-hmm. if they merged and, did nego- and negotiated right then with the streaming services, this whole landscape would be different. Right. But mm-hmm. here we are. And no, so they just pick us up. And you're quite right. If we hand over, if we hand over one one of the most basic functions of human beings, which is storytelling, to machines, and and those machines that are only only exist to make uh, rich people richer, you know, the people who hold the, hold the, the the reins of power, then we're we're losing a fundamental aspect of what it is to be a human being. Right. Well, the the I think if if SAG, if the directors, if everyone could join hands and and strike together first of all this thing would be over very quickly it it because the the if it draws out obviously it hurts your friends and allies quickest and longest it takes a while for that pain to travel up and so it's just sort of you know i think we can spare the pain of allies actors crew direct you know just everyone who's obviously impacted by it um but i think every if everybody sort of like is all in then everything is fucking totally shut down. Right, and, and that's the and, only way we can combat this, I think. Yeah. And it wakes it wakes them up and it hurts them faster. And I think they might have to admit that, you know, like they don't want to right now, that writers are human, you know, actors are human, you know, that that, that humanity should be a baseline for the conversation. And um, and yeah, it is. It's uh, it's I think it's the challenge is educating uh everyone educating themselves on an issue while negotiating on it is a tough one. Sure. Um, but I think the, there's, there's, there's no other way. I mean, unfortunately it's like, it has to happen now because of course all of this will accelerate so quickly that it's no one can even insane. catch up. I'm with yeah. you. It is so, 
I, I can't two weeks in this world right now with AI, it's you're antiquated because that's mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I'm, you know, as, as a data scientist now, I'm doing a lot of work with AI and it is what I was doing two weeks ago. Forget it. It's, it's already outdated. And in like, when you look at how quickly, um, so there's a, uh, an engine runway, it's called runway AI. And so runway two, when it comes out, it is literally create taking text and creating imagery like video, not, not stills. And if you go and you look for runway, look for runway AI, runway two AI, um, it's, it's runway one right now. And so once two is released, so you can see some of the snippets that people post online, like the people that are in the beta test. And I kid you not, it is one of the most fascinating things to watch when you see how it has gotten, um, it's the worst it's ever going to be right now. And it's really freaking good. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. Like where someone will type, they will prompt what you want to see on screen. And within seconds, no editor, no nothing. The machine decides. And it's like the one that's sticking out in my head is it's like, you know, it, it, it moves in on a uh, the screen, moves in on like a rainy street. And across the street, there's a diner. And then it starts to zoom and it zooms into the diner and it zooms in through the window of the diner. And you, you know, the whole time you're hearing rain falling, you're hearing rain falling and lighting is beautiful and it zooms in and then it kind of enters the diner. And as it gets into the diner, there's, you know, the, the table and all of these people, these men are all sitting at different booths and um, they're, some are drinking coffee, some are eating, some are drinking soda and it kind of just stops and it pauses and you start to see like the individuals, they'll all look up one at a time. It's all the same guy but it looks insanely real and it's the wow. worst it's ever going to be. And it's like, you're in it. You feel like you're watching, you're, you're watching uh, right now. It looks like a, like a, you know, a rudimentary animation, but imagine just laying over as, as they get faster and you're laying over, you know, the guy is now Harrison Ford. The mm -hmm. guy is now like, uh, you know, whoever. young Harrison Ford, you know, young, Har young Harrison Ford, <laughs> exactly. yes. forever young Harrison Ford. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, indistinguishable indistinguishable when people don't understand like you see like these deep fakes that's nothing it is it can be indistinguishable now and it's mm -hmm. this and is that's why that directors we're... yeah the directors have to recognize that the the the, the threat to them is like because this is not a writer actor thing it's a director thing to i mean it's like it's gonna you know they they they're always sort of aloof from our, you know, the writers are crazy, they're strike forever, blah, 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 you know, and then they kind of, but it's, mm -hmm. um, it's such a universal um, threat, particularly tech companies that have these, you know, I have this studio, I'm sort of, it's sort of like a small thing on their, you know, docket as opposed to, you know, the companies, the CBS is the ABC, you know, the sort of legacy, they right. actually know how the shit's made. Right. Um, whereas some of these, like the bigger companies is like, how do we cut labor costs? How do we, I mean, I do think, there's such an appeal for them to experiment with this and it's got to be um yeah it's got to be clipped quick and I, and I think maybe we, we professionals in the arts we may be the canaries in the coal mine at this point for something mm -hmm. much larger and much worse that's happening to our species yeah you know i very much i agree you know and i mean you know well you're you know you're a scientist so you can probably correct me if i'm wrong here this is one of the few technological revolutions where the people who created it have absolutely no idea how it works. I don't 100%. think that's ever happened before. 
hundred percent. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's a great observation. I don't know if that's. I, I know it's true right now. <laughs> I don't know if that's if there's precedent about that, but yeah, these guys because no one um, knows no one knows what the code is inside any of these AI programs anymore because it's rewritten its own code so many iterations. It's scary, man. I, I you know, I have for the last twenty years, right? So I've always been a tech nerd, right? And and I guess that's one of the things that drew me to this is like the experimenting and using, you know, when I say this, when it's skinwalkers, like let's find cool new ways. Cause I always believe like if you sit at a place long enough and you just measure everything that's measurable and then you're like, Oh, look, when all this happens on my measurements, this happens and we're calling this a ghost. So this makes predicts ghost. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's ghost, but it's something right. And now we measure it. And so I've always thought about technology being in, in one of my, I never forget when when the dot com days were happening, and it was like, my I had this thought of like, whenever when all the content is free, who gets paid for the content, right? Mm -hmm. And here we are living this. And so what you've noticed, and what is continuing to happen is, uh, and YouTube's a, the best example to use. And this is why when people think, oh, producers are the ones making all the money, no, 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 producers already got chopped when when you got to cut them out. And you know why they got cut out? is because now you, Pootie Pie, with your pop screen, talking into a microphone, is making $20 million. And guess how much they paid for you? Nothing. <laughs> they paid nothing. You're making it for free. And what's ended up happening is then they've taken an algorithm that's like, oh, all these people making free stuff, let's watch our, we'll watch and monitor which ones are getting traffic. Mm -hmm. And so then whatever one's spike in traffic, we're just going to algorithmically push the ads to that person. So now there's no production cost, zero. It's all about distribution. And so when you think of it, go five years from now, when distribution, the, whoever, my line has always been, whoever controls your pipeline controls your world. And when your pipeline is digital and you now we have three or four digital providers, the, the point that I feel people are missing with this AI is when you are a distributor and you have the ability to create content at will for free you don't need anyone you control mm -hmm. the pipeline if you say okay i'm gonna make a video which kids are watching you know kids will watch i don't know kids put those mentos bottles right they put the thing in the mentos and it spits all out all right so i want to make you tell the ai i want it to do this and i want it to be 30 seconds long and i want you to make a hundred variations of it one where the person looks like this, one like this, one like this, one speaking in this language, and this instantly. Put them all out there, and whatever ones start to catch on, start feeding that with ads. You don't need an actor. You don't even need to make it good because the kids are going to watch it. You don't need producers. You don't need directors. What do you need? Yeah. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You have the pipeline. So where do if, if humans the only way that ai gets stopped in any industry is by humans you have to credential it out and if we don't credential it out like to work in entertainment for humans you have to say you have to be 80 percent of it has to be made by a human um mm -hmm. you have to do that with doctors if you want ai will be a way better doctor than any human being will ever be but doctors have to say you have to have a human practice medicine you cannot allow ai lawyers be, like, yes anything in law you all have to do that or else it will always be better than us and, it, yeah. and it's so far that you're having an us and them and it's just a matter of another 15 yeah. years if we if, if we don't yeah if we don't relegate it to tool status yes then it becomes master it, um, absolutely
and and um, and again, I think the more sinister thing down the road is that. Um, don't go more sinister. Well, there is. A, well, since we're on the we're since <laughs> this kidding. is this is largely a UFO podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, no, sorry, yeah, enough, yeah, 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 a lot of theorizing. No, this is yeah, good. Is that no? But it ties into this. Is that a lot of the theories of people who are studying UFOs and um, people even within the Pentagon and within CIA? There's a lot of talk that that the what we're encountering may be an AI from a civilization that no longer exists. That that we may be dealing with an AI that that has replaced its creators already, and I think we've lost your sound again. No, no, I'm here. Oh no, you're still there. Okay, uh, but yeah, but we may so we may be dealing with an AI that has supplanted the people who created it, and if we aren't careful, uh, we can easily follow that path. And we're you know, I mean, I think, and it's not just an idiot like me. The, what's his name from Google oh. who re- resigned recently? Who was one of the founding fathers of of uh, things like Chat GPT. Um, yes, resigned because he believes it's an existential threat to humanity, not just to you know people who create art. So okay, th- going down this, I love this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no. no go, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say like going down that road. So what I find really interesting is, so if you look at, so we are very human centered. We're people, right? Where we everything is based around humanity, and I, there's there is I go. I, I, so you have to understand. I still look for shows, and I I talk to a lot of people in this world on the fringes because i believe that there's a diamond in the rough all the time i i i will sure. give everyone space i don't judge anybody i want to hear every theory I, I i have no i do not know what isn't isn't true any more than anybody else and anyone who calls himself a ufo expert is full of shit. i'm putting <laughs> it out there now <laughs> just like the bigfoot yeah. experts right when people tell me you're a bigfoot expert um and they tell me how long they live really you studied them <laughs> yeah Oh, you've you've got remains. You've done an analysis. Like no, no, you're not an expert. You're everyone is an enthusiast, and until you're doing things like they're doing at Skinwalker, like you have a hypothesis and you're testing against it and trying to figure it out. Now you're doing research. Everyone else is researching the stories that other people have told you. And so when people mm-hmm. are like, I know everything about UFOs. No, you know all the stories. It's just as rich of a catalog as Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, um, and you have no and it's. It may or may not be any more or less true because we don't have in, until someone comes forward with more substantial evidence. It, I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm saying there's the evidence we have of things. We don't know what those things are. It's evidence of something. Mm-hmm. But unless someone is able to present evidence that you with a conclusion, this is this. And here's the little guy in the ship. And he came down and he told us, I'm a little guy in a ship. OK, well, now you got a guy in the ship and he's admitting it. That's different than there's an image in the sky that we think is a guy in the ship. Well, you don't know that. And so when you think of AI, this is a different, you know, it could be AI. If if you think of it through humans, what if we are like, this is what kills me, man. It's a total mind act. When you think humans are nature's way of creating AI, that's mm-hmm. our purpose. If our purpose is to create God so that God can go and then become, do these iterations that can create bio, biological entities, God can spread itself if you call him God AI. If, it, if if humans need to put a God together, God's like, hey, I'm we created it, and it does so many iterations that it becomes able to create biological units again. Time doesn't matter to it. Nothing matters to it. It can go and spread around everywhere, drop some, create some biology here, there, 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 and then the biology eventually evolves to create more AI. 
And it's like, what if that's the the way the universe is seeded is is through AI? And if what we're seeing, what we're witnessing is uncovering AI again, like so now is it all happening? Is the culmination happening at once where there's these things that could be buried that are super advanced or super high tech and super, you know, they're so far beyond us that we can't even comprehend what they are. And now we just created the tool that is able to comprehend what they are or communicate with them or even mm. detect they exist. Mm. AI could be like, oh, you guys, and AI can do tens of thousands of iterations of something. You can take a car from this to being able to fly in a flash Technically speaking, they can design. They can they can do thousands of iterations of design to make it that much better. So if AI is identifying, well, there's some kind of anomalous thing happening here that some of your your rudimentary tools are detecting. Right. Let me make a better one that detects it perfectly. I'll do that instantly for you. And here's what you oh you can't build it. Here's how to extract the minerals from the ground to be able to build this. Do this. Oh, we don't have a machine to extract them. Let me build a machine for you to extract them. Oh, you can there like. We... So we are basically yeah we could be just. Yeah, in, a, in an evolutionary way, we're the we're the microbes that led to human beings. Exactly. And we're so, the so, yeah, and so maybe now, our, as we're building our AI systems, we're reaching the end of our iteration. Yes, and they take it yeah. over, and yeah. we created them, and then they go on and eventually create us again. Who knows? I don't know. It, these are fun theories that I that I hear. Yeah. No, I I, I think it's agree. interesting that the. Um, you know, the the first wave of UFO mythology took place around the advent of nuclear power. It, 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 you know, our first big, you know, leap to self <laughs> potential self-destruction. You know, it's hard to find uh, a stronger parallel to that than AI in terms of something yeah. we've kind of like unleashed and discovered and then went like, Hmm, what's this gonna do? And uh, you know, and like, let's hope for the best, everybody. And and it can have some good. So, it, but I find it interesting that it's also paralleling. I don't think it's just my echo chamber because you know, thanks to Dave, I'm way down this UFO rabbit hole now. You know, than than I've been usually in my life. But the government, all of the people investigating this now, the credibility to this issue, even shows like Skinwalker. You know, there is this sort of ubiquity to the UFO phenomenon right now that does seem a weird parallel to the 50s when, you know, it was just things were things were kicking up like it was there was and it does. It fascinates me that AI and this seem to be on a weird kind of collision course, um, which sort of speaks to kind of this. Yeah. What you guys are talking about. Well, we, we, we skirted with annihilation. Uh, starting in the forties and now we're now we're toying with obsolescence that, that, quickly, huh? yeah. <laughs> that was really good mm. yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I keep getting these uh, you know the the feelings of all of this and i'm um what we're watching emerge though in and so this is about the ufo world like that the my experience in the culture of someone as an outsider like all of a sudden it's at the top of that pyramid, right? Like I, I, in the UFO world, right? The thing that I've helped create is now what people are looking at as like one of the beacons of, of mm -hmm. you know, driving this this, this thing. Um, and I, I'm watching a lot of uh, the conversations that emerge, you're seeing it becomes these factions of people online mm -hmm. of, of who believe, like we we're talking about the mythology, that's a great, a great example of, of, people will take a, a side they pick a team and the teams are you know there, there's there's 
teams of like government teams. Government's going to save us. Others are like, you know, it's it, it, they're, they're aliens. And it, it, there's all these different theories, right? And and they 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 believe them so much that you know there's people that you know conversations break out and there are arguments break out about like, oh, this guy's full of shit and this guy's full of shit. Well, both of you could be full of shit because you can't prove either of what you're saying. So it's what you're seeing is that's distracting. It's taking a lot away. Like these, these cult of, this cult of personality is taking a lot away from the, the people actually doing stuff and researching. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I find difficult is I have to sift through a lot of that to get to like, let me find the guy who's telling, who's, trying to get his word out that I have a piece of a freaking spaceship in my backyard. Like I want it, it, it I want to find him, but mm -hmm. you can't because of all the other stuff. And so when you do talk to people who, and I've talked to a lot of number of people who say, I have items, I have this, I have that. And it's like, right. great, let me come and get it. I will send a, I will send <laughs> Brandon's helicopter and we will go pick it up and secure it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, you know, they're watching or them. I can't, I, I, I can't accept that as an answer because that to me is my bullshit detector goes off. Yeah. Yes. And and so when whenever I see and it's all I encounter, but I'm I'm convinced that we're we're gonna get through that because people like Brandon, I, and there's two parts of this. I do not ever feel like there's no government agency that will ever reveal anything to us because there's nothing in it for them. And they, unless they can utilize that information for a for to gain something, mm -hmm. um, if they can use that to say, I'm going to lock everyone down, they can use that to add a new tax, a defense tax against us. Like, that's the only way that UFOs will ever be used or that the phenomenon, whatever we want to yeah. call it, will ever be used in government. Um, no incentive. And, and, yeah. and I try to say, like, to, you know, I, I try to squelch, I've talked to these government officials, I've talked to military people, like, it's not coming out. There's nothing coming out. There's people that are going to force it to come out like Jeremy, George. That's a different avenue. Like they're pulling it out of them um, and they're they're trying to stop it. And you don't know what they're pulling. We don't know what it is or isn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe that the real answers are going to come from people like Brandon. That When you have people that have disposable income or fuck you money and can go and look into these things. And listen, we're living in a capitalist society, right? They're not doing it for fun. Like, there, yes, there's this quality of like, you know, even with Brandon, like he doesn't need any more money. But event, there's a lot of other people that make money from a show. There's a network makes money from a show. They're going to give it a platform because of that. Um, mm -hmm. He's not, he was never in it to make money, but it's going to be someone like him that's going to reveal stuff because fuck you, this is what I find. Like, mm -hmm. that, yeah. that's what you need more of those people. Yes, it's funny because we were talking earlier about how someone like John Mack was able to explore the abductee phenomenon because he was wealthy mm -hmm. and could afford to to uh, offend the powers at Harvard. And now we have someone like uh, Gary Nolan yep. who has created enough companies that he can afford to just stand up and say, yes, this is what's happening. And I don't care if you think I'm crazy. Yeah, we had a we had a pre pre podcast uh, talk with with um, Gary, who and his his feeling was like, was like, isn't Stan to Stanford get all like in your grill about like all the sort of he's like, fuck him. Like that, like no, I got like I'm good. I'm good. Like yeah. let them fire me to my. That to your point right. is is absolutely what like the, the hope. Yeah, yeah the, with with Brandon and the, the 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 hope that just sort of pioneers and people willing to be the tip of the spear will um, will uh, will get to the truth. Um, yes. 
but uh, it's a fascinating, Ooh. fascinating conversation. Yeah, and thank um, you so much for for taking this time with us too today. That's no, fantastic. this is great. Listen, I, this yeah, is great. Yeah. This stuff, and I, I love this more sober approach to it. And I like what you guys are doing. Like when Chrissy was, you know, reached out and was explaining, like, you know, oh, this is a, a different approach. Like we're not look. There's real people that are doing this stuff, right? Like I'm just, I'm a TV guy. You know, I, I'm a producer, right? This is what I do. Mm-hmm. I I didn't come at this to create problem or, you know, like to uncover mysteries. I saw an opportunity for an awesome TV show. That's what I did. Like mm-hmm. there was a gap in the market. A lot of people talking about this stuff. Damn. Yeah. Perfect timing. Um, but, you know, now it's, I feel like you get other people, if you start bringing in people from other industries that are attacking this from different, like Gary, Norton, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's a scientist, like a medical scientist. Like he does. Okay. He didn't approach this as a UFO guy looking at medicine or looking at biology. The biologist looking at this. You have a TV TV producer looking at this. If you get people from other industries, like a real estate magnet, he's looking at like you keep finding other people to bring in. It's they're not all crazy. These are people who are traditionally not in it for that. Like mm-hmm. they're doing their thing and saying that's an interesting topic to explore. Um, I, I feel like that's where this you get enough of these other Venn diagrams, right? UFO mm-hmm. in the middle, you have all these other Venn diagrams of people attacking it or inner, you know, looking into it. Yeah. I think that's what's going to be, be it's going to take yes. down the stigma. Yeah. I, I hope Agreed. so. Yeah. And, and increase the, uh, I guess, the, the synergy of attention, I guess, from multiple sources. Yeah. Yeah. Where does it go next, though, is the question, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I don't know the next, I know that no one's buying shows about this topic unless you're going to start bringing evidence. Um, I can't, I need to pull something, I, I need to find that guy with something. Uh, that keeps that mm-hmm. you know that person with something, right? I gotta find somebody who's got something in their in their possession. Um, yeah. No one's. Well, let's all keep an it. eye out because I I want <laughs> I want to see that too. I, yeah. I think that is I think that I is where you get that show off the ground. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that is the next stage. And you you I mean, listen, um, it, lightning can strike twice. You will you know you've 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 got an incredible show. Um, you now you know people. I agree. People like Brandon and. And people like yourself, just like digging, trying to find, I think, areas like arenas like Skinwalker and arenas like they they will need to be the sort of truth tellers. Um, because I, I agree, I don't think there's any incentive for the government to come forward. There's too much economic and self-interest by keeping something like that secret. It does seem like very intelligent, credible people that we speak with feel with absolute 100% conviction that these debris programs and things do exist. So it's going to be up to you to go get it and find it and then turn it into a cool show. <laughs> but um, yeah. listen. And, and apologies to your wife. Yes. Well, <laughs> she, it sounds like there's a, they're very mutual. You know, my, my wife, too. She's like, you're not going a freaking skinwalker, you know, and I'm like, but that'd be so cool. You know, a little sobering now after this conversation, to be honest. But, you know, I, I still want to go. Yeah. We'll send Dave. No, Dave's a true canary in the coal mine. Yes. Do and Listen. Maybe I just don't have the constitution for whatever's out there, right? Like, and I'm not saying it's magical or alien or anything. I'm just saying maybe the uh, I'm Dave doesn't here. have the constitution to go out there. What are we talking about <laughs> here? You, what are you talking? I've done so many things in my life to potentially destroy myself. That why why not <laughs> one true. more? Let's not stop now. Uh, yes, God. well, that's still that that'll be the plan. We'll send you out there, but. Yeah. Thank right. you so much, Chief. It was great to yeah, meet it's you. Been a, been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And, and thanks uh, for make thanks for making this show. Thanks for you know. Yes, we love Skinwalker. No, well done, you. you.
I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you guys. I really appreciate the support. I'm glad you guys watch it, and hopefully, it just keeps going for a long time, and we can uncover some stuff that uh, people find really interesting. I hope so. I'm, well, I'm gonna, I'll be I'll be rushing out to watch episode six, which I haven't seen yet. Well, you must, because <laughs> that Very thing cool. on the fence is cool. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Thank you so Thank much, you. TJ. Hopefully, right, we, hopefully we can stay in touch. We will. All right. Bye. 